Welcome back to episode 37 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. On this episode, we're looking ahead to game week 20. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FPL Draft game. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for another roundup of waiver options, hidden gems, ones to dump and some sell high buy low targets ahead of game week 20. We have only just seen the back of game week 19 and recording this on Sunday. Um, Aston Villa and Newcastle rounded things off last night. Many listeners will have either joined the elusive 100 points club themselves or had seen a bitter mini league rival with the prowess to acquire John Stones becoming a centurion themselves. Those who stacked up on players from Man City, Man United, Villa and West Ham will probably find that their teams are continuing to look pretty decent on paper for game week 20 with further nice fixtures, meaning the waiver pile is likely to look rather unappealing for many others. But have no fear, the waiver pile can be merciful and there is always a player to be found who is due a great week. It's easy to forget that we are well into the January transfer window and you'd be forgiven if you'd forgotten as there's really not been a lot of business going down, most likely due to the pressures that the pandemic is posing. But having said that, there are a couple of names to mention this week. So without further ado, let's get into it. So let's have a quick look at the fixture barometer then. So as I said, Manchester City and Aston Villa both have decent fixtures coming up. Manchester City are away at West Brom this week. They then go to Sheffield and then away to Burnley, which is quite nice. Villa, meanwhile, go away to Burnley this week, then slightly trickier away to Southampton and then at home to West Ham. And the third team to pick out who probably isn't too stacked in your league and there might be plenty of waiver options from this team is Crystal Palace. They're at home to West Ham this week, then at home to Wolves and then away to Newcastle. At the colder end of the fixture barometer, I've got Burnley who are at home to Villa, then away to Chelsea and then host Manchester City. Arsenal and Southampton, I've both got down at the colder end. They play each other this week and I find that's quite a hard game to call. Arsenal then have Man United at home and then away to Wolves and Southampton follow that game against Arsenal by welcoming Aston Villa and then going away to Old Trafford to face Man United. A couple of important injuries to discuss this week and I'm going to start with Jamie Vardy because... As a draft manager, there's probably more you could do to take advantage of this situation. Rogers announced in the week that the club had uh, what he referred to as a window of opportunity to allow Vardy to have surgery on a hernia problem that he's been struggling with. Now, I'm not really sure what he's referring to with this window of opportunity as Leicester, like all of the clubs, have a number of league games uh, in the next few weeks and Leicester particularly have a number of very winnable league games over the next few weeks which Vardy will now miss. Now the club have been quite vague about this hernia problem um, in terms of what it is exactly but judging from the way Vardy looks on the pitch and, and when he comes off when he's substituted it wouldn't surprise me if he had what's called Gilmore's groin or a sportsman's hernia which isn't technically a true hernia but is where there is a bit of a weakness in the muscles as they attach in the groin, causing discomfort as things are able to rub where they're not supposed to. Usually it can be alleviated with rest, but that's obviously not possible in professional sports, so he's having it operated on. Rogers has been vaguely optimistic on the recovery time, which is something we're used to as Ricardo Pereira has apparently been a couple of weeks away from 
returning for about the last six months. But I would conservatively estimate four weeks out with um, the game against Aston Villa in game week 25, a safe target for a return. In that time, there are games against Everton, Leeds, Fulham, Wolves and Liverpool. And so having his replacement for that run could be very lucrative. The question is, who is that replacement? The safe money would be on Iheanacho stepping in, as he has done a couple of times already, and is the only realistic like-for-like replacement that they've got. Alternatively, Aozi Perez could be asked to play up top, which isn't totally alien to him from his Newcastle days, and he has looked a little bit better and more in keeping with Rogers' plans lately. Or it could even be Harvey Barnes, who played there earlier in the season, back in game week six when Leicester beat Arsenal 1-0. Though it should be added that Vardy came off the bench in that game to score the winner. So Iheanacho will definitely be wavered by someone who has decent priority and a droppable striker this week. Barnes will most likely already be taken, but Perez, with ownership around just 25%, could be a sneaky way into the Leicester goals for the next few weeks if he gets the spot. The second notable injury is Kevin De Bruyne, who unfortunately is no stranger to injuries and he has uh, seemingly torn his hamstring. And judging from Pep's comments that he'll be out for four to six weeks, that likely makes it uh, a grade two tear. And given those previous injuries, it wouldn't surprise me if it was more towards the top end of that return estimate around the six week mark. That means he is likely to miss seven or eight league games with the Manchester derby in game week 27, a reasonable point for him to aim for in his recovery. In the meantime, they've got games against West Brom, Sheffield United, Burnley, Liverpool Spurs, Arsenal and West Ham. So what does it mean for the rest of the Manchester City midfielders? It probably means we continue to see a fair amount of Ilkay Gundogan, although his ownership has steadily climbed to the 80% lately, so won't be there for many of you who are only cottoning on late. Uh, and he'd probably worth be worth having even if uh, KDB was fit. It also means we'll probably continue to see a fair amount of Bernardo Silva, who has started uh, Manchester City's last six league games now and got his first return in their late win against Aston Villa. Essentially, I could name all the Manchester City midfielders and state that they'll probably see more minutes than they have done. The midfield three is likely to be Rodri, Gundogan and Bernardo Silva moving forward with Foden, Sterling, Mares, and Jesus occupying the front three spots in some combination. Torres would also be a shout and we're also waiting for Aguero to get over COVID, but it's still likely a number of weeks away from his best form. City are fortunate that they've got more than enough to see off their next three opponents and it will be interesting to see how their team has settled by the time that difficult patch comes around, which will also coincide with the return of European football. So let's mention some of the new faces coming into the Premier League and start with Crystal Palace, who have brought in a new striker, 23-year-old Jean-Philippe Mateta from Mainz 05. Six foot three, looks to be a dual threat running in behind and also a good header of the ball, good target man, at least judging from the complimentary editing of some YouTube highlight reels I've seen. Scores at a rate of around one in three. Not prolific by elite standards, but when you throw his numbers next to the likes of Jordan Ayew, Benteke and Batshuayi, he could prove to be very useful. Mines are sitting precariously near the bottom of the Bundesliga table uh, at the moment and the low mid-buy option seems like pretty good business from Palace. He started the season really well, scored 10 in his first 17, but seems to have tailed off a little bit since then. But if Palace have found a 1-3 in three striker, it will surely 
see a change in results for them. And I can't see why he wouldn't get introduced to the team fairly quickly, given the lack of credible competition. And from the point of view of Crystal Palace fans, it should hopefully pave the way to clear some deadwood in the summer. The second player to mention is another striker brought in on loan, and that's Willian Jose, who has joined Wolves from Real Sociedad, which seems like a fairly expected move given Fabio Silva doesn't quite look ready to fill Jimenez's shoes yet. Jose is another striker operating around that one in three rate and is comfortable coming deeper to get on the ball too. There's still no clear indication when we'll see Jimenez back, but it doesn't sound imminent. And Jose seems to be a ready-made, safe pair of hands to slot straight into the starting eleven. Being Brazilian, it also means he shouldn't have too much trouble understanding the tactics or communicating with the majority of his teammates. Let's move on to some hidden gems then. Starting with defenders, the first name I've got on the sheet is Rudiger for Chelsea, who started three of the last four Premier League games now. And comments from Lampard seem to suggest he's currently got the spot nailed next to Thiago Silva. Chelsea are in a bit of an iffy spell at the moment, but fixtures aren't too bad at all over the next couple of months. And there are plenty of opportunities for clean sheets. The second one I've got is Mitchell for Crystal Palace, started four in the bounce and they've kept two clean sheets in that time. Seems on the face of it that it's his spot to lose at the moment and Van Aanholt has paid the price for a run of bad results prior to that. As mentioned before, fixtures look good right up into March and there are plenty of games there that Crystal Palace will look to keep tight and I expect some useful points from their defenders in that time. Tompkins and Ward are other options for the same reason if they're free as well. Third pick is Godfrey for Everton. Uh, Everton play Leicester, Newcastle and Leeds in the next three. Could be an option just for those next few games before the fixtures turn. Obviously a favourite of Ancelotti's as he's played in all but two league games since coming into the team, playing nine on the bounce at the moment. Seems a safe pair of hands if you're looking for 90 minutes and there may not be much else out there on your waiver wire. The final defender to mention is Alioski for Leeds, another fairly safe bet to start. And with Newcastle up next, we should expect a decent attacking display, which can see the likes of Alioski camp out in the opposition half for most of the game. He scored his first goal, blanked two, scored his second goal, blanked another two, and now we have this game. So let's see if he's a fan of keeping to the pattern. Now I'm going to let the FPL draft hub all father Taron introduce the next player. Uh, and that is Milievic Milivojevic, who has started the last nine league games for Palace, but has yet to register an attacking return this season, which seems to be a continuation of the massive drop-off in form that started last year. Let's not forget that in the 18-19 season, Milivojevic posted 166 FPL points, getting 12 goals and two assists, and remains their main threat from set pieces, including penalties. Palace have only received two pens so far this season and he wasn't on the pitch for either of them. There isn't too much really in his recent performances or in the underlying numbers to support picking him up but when I was skimming through the list I was drawn to him and the upcoming fixtures on paper aren't the worst opportunity for him to get on the score sheet. Next is Ndombele for Spurs, firm feature in the Spurs team and completed his first 90 minutes in the game against Sheffield United in the week which saw him score a cracking lob as well in that game. Him and Kane are the ones that can unlock doors in this team and with Liverpool coming off the back of their first home loss for years, now will either be the best or worst time to play them. 
always seems to relish the bigger opponents and you can also hang on to him for the slightly more favourable fixture against Brighton next week. In terms of strikers, the only option that really stood out was Ian Acho, but I've already covered him earlier on. Let's get on to some players then who it's probably time to move on from in the get rid pile. And the first one is Kurt Zuma. Sad one for me to say as I picked him up fairly early on in the season and he's been a great credit to the team, scoring lots of goals, always seemed to look a threat from set pieces. But given, as I said earlier, Frank Lampard's comments, it seems that Rudiger now has that spot. Um, Doesn't seem like we can justify hanging on to him. Next is Benjamin Mendy for Manchester City, who's still pretty well owned across most of the leagues. But given how we've seen some of the recent starting lineups, it's clear that he's probably third choice left back at Manchester City now behind Cancelo and Zinchenko. Feels like his time is probably coming to an end at City with a move away in the summer looking quite likely. Um, For those that still have him, there's definitely going to be some better options in the waivers. Kai Havertz is another one who, for many, would have been a pretty pretty high-value draft pick back at the beginning of the season, but really hasn't uh, been able to reproduce any of the form that he came with and struggling to get into the team at the moment. So, you know, as soon as players aren't really picking up Premier League minutes, that's the time when you know it's time to move them on. Next is Willian for Arsenal. Again, still still fairly well-owned and would have been drafted in most leagues at the beginning of the season. Um, his displays recently haven't looked great. He's not been given that many opportunities in the league and there looks to be a, a decent group of players ahead of him in the pecking order at the moment. And judging by the reactions of some Arsenal fans, uh, it seems difficult to see him getting a run in the team anytime soon. On my nan's grave, he is playing against us. I swear to God, on my man's grave, bro, he's playing against us. Dude, I hate you. I, I hate you. Finally, um, Mitrovic is, is the only striker I've got on this list at the moment. who's just started one in the last 10 league games. At the beginning of the season, he would have been uh, fairly high up on, on draft ranks, and seen as a quite safe starting striker for Fulham for much of the season. And it's surprising to see how well their form has turned since he's come out of the team and and given the way that form has changed it's really hard to see him finding his place back in unless we see some injuries. Let's look at some trade valuations then for some sell high and buy low targets. On the sell high list I have got Alexander Lacazette scored in his first three games of the season then went 11 without anything has now scored three games on the bounce game weeks 15 to 17 and then blanked against Crystal Palace and Newcastle. Now, could be a good time to move him on. Shouldn't be too hard to find somebody vaguely interested, but the type of offers you could get in return might vary greatly. The second player I'd recommend selling high at the moment is Paul Pogba. Scored a couple of good goals recently and seems to be uh, quite an integral cog in the Manchester midfield lately, but I'm still not convinced we're ever going to see the best of Paul Pogba in a Man United shirt. And I imagine most leagues out there will have uh, a couple of Man United fans who would probably overvalue him slightly in a trade. Some players to buy low at the moment. Top of the list, I've got Bernardo Silva. Now, he did get his first goal in the last game, so his stock probably is rising slightly. And it might be slightly too late to buy him low. But even still, uh, if he's not in the waiver pile and someone's held him for a while, he won't have been one of their best midfield performers 
and now could be the time to get him. Secondly, I've got Pulisic, who is, you know, yet to really tear it up this season, but it's been heavily interrupted by injuries and he's now played the last seven more or less in their entirety and his position looks as safe as anyone else's in that Chelsea team. I expect him to start producing goals any time now. Um, you won't be able to value him too low, but still could be uh, a good pickup for the latter half of the season. Sticking with Chelsea and the last player I've got on the buy low list um, and really probably is about as low as you'll be able to buy him at the moment is Timo Werner. Last Premier League goal came in game week eight and his total currently sits at four goals and five assists. Looks like his confidence is completely shot, missed a penalty in the FA Cup game. Um, I still think he's class and there's plenty we've got to see from him. Given the managerial turmoil at the moment, it could be that a move away from Frank Lampard is imminent and whoever comes in is able to get him firing again. So that's it for this week's pod. The waiver deadline for game week 20 is 4.30pm UK time on Monday the 25th, ahead of the first games at 6pm on Tuesday evening. So you'll have up until half four UK time on Tuesday to tinker with your teams. It is a tight turnaround between the next few game weeks as there are now four game weeks to cram into less than two weeks. So stay on the ball. We're over the halfway mark now and you either don't want to undo some of the good work you've already done or you don't want to miss the opportunity for a quick reversal in fortunes. I should also give a grateful mention to my sister Abby for revamping the podcast logo this week. Those that have listened before might have noticed the move towards a more elegant design and I think it looks top notch and I hope you do too. Right, that's it. Go and get your waivers sorted before you forget and if you're not making any this week, be sure to let all your fellow managers in your league know just how satisfied you are with your amazing team. So all the best, good luck and stay shook.